Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. What do you do when motivation fades? When you hit a dip, a hurdle or an obstacle that makes your plan as a runner seem so far out of reach that it's not really worth it anymore. Well, today on Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan and Sonia O'Sullivan, we are talking about the most common problem in running. There isn't a runner in the world who feels 100% motivated 100% of the time. The difference, of course, is how we navigate it. The majority just jack it in and watch Netflix instead. But the fact that you tuned in today says that you're different and you want to figure out a way through this or prepare for it when it inevitably arrives. Sonia, people will be surprised to hear that you have had your dips in motivation. What was what's the most recent one and what's the worst one? Well, I think the most recent one is probably as a result of all the kind of moving and changing and being in different places and then you know everywhere new that you go you're a bit more rejuvenated and you're excited to explore things and to get out and to do things and you know even when I was in quarantine in the hotel I was trying to be the best that I could be and do the most that I could in you know limited space and resources but you kind of forget that sometimes doing things like that, it can take a lot of energy from you. And then as soon as I was set free, you know, I, I left the hotel on a bike, you know, <laughs> went straight out for a bike ride. And, um, you know, then Monday morning I was up at 6 a.m. going for a run down at the river. And, you know, I couldn't believe I was like, wow, this feels fantastic. And the pace I was going was, you know, as fast as I go on a slow run or easy run these days, mm. which really surprised me. And then you kind of get really excited and motivated about it. And then on the Tuesday, I met up with my cousin and we were going to the beach, Eamon Sheely, he lives up in Brisbane, and um, he wanted to know how to do a threshold session. And I was like, oh, I can do that for you. And again, there's a bit of adrenaline, there's a buzz that I can show him something, you know, something that I'm actually pretty good at. I really mm. enjoy the threshold sessions and it's interesting. And I mean, it was similar. I was trying to describe it to you. That was the session you were going to do last week and we did the exact same thing. Yeah. And most people, when you tell them to, they're doing a session at the track, they're expecting high speed. Whereas I was there as a bit of a roadblock for Eamon and just sat in front of him and he, he just followed me. Hmm. And after three or four efforts of three minutes, you do start to get a little bit tired. And the one minute rest gets a little bit shorter all the time. So I think I used up a lot of my energy, you know, in those few weeks. And then when I eventually returned to Melbourne 
and then back in my old kind of stomping ground and all my local routes, all of a sudden I just didn't feel like going out for a run. Really? So this <laughs> is this really week? Weird. That's crazy. Yeah, so it kind of throws you a bit of a loop, you know, and, you know, the weather is nice, but you just, your head's not in it and your en- the energy isn't there. And it's more the mental energy than the physical energy. So the first day was fine. I went for a run with Winnie my dog and <laughs> she was probably struggling a bit more than me because she hadn't been she hadn't been for a 10k run for a few months <laughs> so, yes so you, but then, you went out anyway you went so even though you were your head wasn't in it you just said look i gotta get out there that's obviously three years of knowing that that works yeah and generally you get away with it for one day but then the second day was not so good at all i definitely wasn't in the mood for it and yeah, it's it, then I started to set myself on you get a bit of a guilt trip, you know, you're kind of you can't do anything else for the day because you're you're thinking I need mm. this run to get me kick started for the day, but I can't quite get my head around it. Well, this is really heartening for a lot of our listeners to hear, because what you're describing there is something I think everybody has felt. And as we've said from the start, the mirror or the wider metaphor for running through all of our lives and whatever we're doing is obvious. It's staring us right in the face. We've all felt that. Let's dig into that deeper as the show goes on. We'll also be taking a deeper look at my own training plan, courtesy of Sonia. A lot of listeners getting in touch going, what the hell kind of training plan is this that I I have gone (laughs) from never really running at all to a fairly reasonable pace across 10k and that's from the end of August to this day. So we'll dig a bit deeper into that on the request of the listeners, not, let's be clear, on the request of me going, hey guys, look at how great I am. (laughs) This is something that people have been quizzing me on and even people on Strava suggesting that David Walsh would be outside my door if I'm not careful. Uh, The other reason that we're doing this episode about dips and motivation and hurdles is because I had a bump in the road this Thursday gone. And that's so funny, the symmetry of what we've been through here, Sonia. Mine was a little bit different. And I've hinted at this on social media in various different places, what happened to me. This is the first place that I'll tell people exactly what happened and how I have been put in a really awkward situation in terms of my entire running plan and the whole Irishman abroad running challenge. So Thursday uh, morning is date morning with uh, Tina and myself. She doesn't have to uh, work that morning. So we go into town and do our bits. It's literally just grab coffee and maybe nip into a pharmacy to get what we need. Now, the pharmacy near us is Boots and it's quite a big one. It's got an escalator up the stairs and we're only in the door two minutes on you. And there's this moment of you see two people kind of tumble backwards on the escalator one is an elderly lady and one is not as elderly i would say one of them was 80 something and the other's in her 60s and they are in trouble like you know as much trouble as a person can get on an an escalator on a mechanical staircase they're screaming and one of them appears to kind of have her leg stuck in it I don't even know how you do that, but they are fully laid back on the stairs and the stairs is continuing to go upwards the escalator. And you have that moment, don't you, uh, when you just freeze and you go, 
you just watch what's taking place with your mouth open and your hands in the air. And Dina starts doing, Dina is trained in first aid and all of these kind of emergency situations and in previous situations such as her mother choking in the kitchen of her house she's she's brilliant what tina does in these situations is she shouts out what is happening (laughs) 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 so in the case of her inspiration (laughs) yeah exactly in the case of her mother she was shouting she is choking oh my god somebody (laughs) so tina starts shouting Help them! <laughs> and I, it, it seemed like it took an eternity, but I did race in and grab hold of them because that was the main thing was they needed to be upright. So I put one arm around the old, older lady and one arm around the less elderly lady uh, who was shouting in my face, stop the escalator, like screaming it into my face. <laughs> Which so I women was, must have a thing about screaming, <laughs> shouting out instructions. It was a very loud moment. And honestly, Sonia, I am I'm, I'm not a strength training guy, but I would be able to lift heavy things. This old lady was the heaviest thing I've ever lifted up in my entire life. <laughs> I just mean, it's just dead weight. You know, when you try and pick up a sack of coal or potatoes, it was like that times whatever. I thought that in the moment I'd have some kind of adrenaline buzz and I'd be able to prop her up nice and easy. I mean, I felt my back go out right away. Like I felt like nearly a pop in my back. I turn to Tina and she's whacking the button on the escalator. It doesn't stop. Someone else has to run up and kick it and stop it. At this point, there's blood and stuff everywhere. I eventually get this old lady up to the top of the stairs while someone else tends to the less elderly lady. And I'm fairly sure I am in big, big trouble here. I get out of the the store and then we get home. And, you know, I just didn't know. Everything flashes before your eyes. I'm sure you've had these moments where you hear a pop or something and you just think, oh, oh, oh no, like it's all oh, it's all over. All the work. <laughs> the plug so the is first out thing of... you're thinking about is your run, your ability to run, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like if ever I felt like a runner, it was in that moment that I Tina was like, Char, you did a good thing. This was amazing. This is you saving someone from being hurt. But all I could think about was, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but my running is fucked. I rolled it. Probably the wrong thing to do was to roll it. I foam rolled it. I got out the spiky ball and tried to work on it, thinking that maybe it just seized up. But really, I should have iced it. Long story short, I could barely get out of the bed the next day. Like Tina gave me two, <laughs> Tina gave me two Xanax, which uh, she happened to have the best muscle relaxant available. And the bottom line was in those 48 hours, I was like, this is toast. And I will tell you one thing. The first thing, like you say, that you just think about your running. I got so sad, Sonia. I, I mean, if ever we're talking about runners high on the show, I got so sad. I really got deeply low at the thought of not being able to run. And, you know, that prospect of having to build up after this 
was probably what was making me sad. And it would be one of the main reasons why people quit and why people quit because they can't face into having to start from square one again. I think I'm lucky enough here. The the the, the real long story short is over the weekend of icing and heating and icing and heating, it appears that it's just a pulled kind of glute muscle, something in there, proformis. Do you know that muscle? So did, you, did, did you go and see somebody or are you diagnosing this yourself is, here? This is 100% self-diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, Dr. Google, Dr. Google and physio <laughs> and everybody in there? Absolutely. Well, like, honestly, I'm walking around, not a bother. I'm able to bend over. I'm able to pick up things off the floor and you know able to jump up and down so really the improvement has been astonishing over the last 72 hours and you feel a bit silly for having been so scared and so sad for the first 48 and dramatic and dramatic, and dramatic. <laughs> that it has to be said tina said that i complained the issue out of my system and as any uh, irish person will know irish men have an ability to whinge away their problems <laughs> I definitely did my fair share of that, but I think I'm going to be okay to go out and run today. Would you recommend against that? First of all, not being, uh, you know, medical professional, but am I mad to go out there and see? Can I run? Not totally, no. But I would be very, very careful about it. I mean, I think you know, with any injury like this, like you've obviously sustained what you would call an acute injury, which means that it's a traumatic thing and it's come on all of a sudden, mm. and oftentimes you would hope with something acute that will it'll go away nearly as quick as it came on so it's not a chronic you know thing that's because wear and tear and because of all the running you've been doing mm. so this is something totally separate yeah so if you're lucky then it will go away pretty quickly and a lot of these things like we always we panic you know when something like this happens because you want to fix it as quick as you can and so you ice it, you heat it, you stretch it, you do everything you have ever heard of that might treat an injury. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly, yeah. You know, even, but normally what I would do also is I'd be looking for somebody to see straight away. And that doesn't mean that they're going to have the magic cure or the magic fix for you, but they might have an assessment, you know, or they'd have a, I suppose, give you confidence that, you know, this is just going to take a little bit of time. And if you leave it settled down, then it'll be okay in a few days. Mm. Now, sometimes you can sit it out and say, okay, yeah, I'll take the time and then I'll take baby steps back and hopefully it's okay. The big risk with that, if you haven't spoken to a professional like a physio or an osteopath or some medical person, is that you may have to do that eventually. Mm. And then you'll really be kicking yourself and you'll be saying, oh, why didn't I do that straight away? Yeah, um, yeah. I have but put in the, all the note. All you're losing is all you're losing right now is time. So you haven't done that. So hmm. you have to test it. You have to go for a run, and that run might be one minute or it might be ten minutes. But I wouldn't try and go for a five-minute run. I'd be more likely to walk down to a nice park or a path where you like to run and get yourself going at a brisk speed. And then when you get there. I would set my watch on a minute and I'd run for a minute, walk for a minute, run for a minute, walk for a minute and see how you go with that. And you're not trying to go fast. This is nothing to do with fitness right now. This is just testing the motion mm. and the ability to run and to just you're just testing the water. It's not 
this is not a run today. It's not a session. This is just checking to see, yeah. can I run or do I need to go and see somebody and get this sorted out? Excellent advice. Excellent advice. And uh, I will do that directly after uh, hanging up here. I and if you could. Yeah. Yeah, if you're good afterwards, then make sure to ice it. And that's the thing is with these things is that you might go for a run and you say, oh, yeah, I feel fantastic. This is great. I'm back on track. But, you know, that, that might be OK for the short term, but you need to still keep on top of the icing. And if there's anything that helped it over the last few days, spiky ball, back roller, mm. just all those things you can use a little bit. You know, we all tend to go over the top and, you know, you sometimes you can injure, injure yourself more by, you know, just trying to stretch everything out. And that's one thing I suppose that you would not advise when you injure yourself acutely like that is to stretch. Mm. Like you, you don't stretch straight away because that's really testing or over testing the area. And you just need to let the muscle contract and relax and Begin then to ice it and heal heal it yeah, yeah without kind of aggravating it while, while it's trying to heal well thanks for that uh, i have put in a note to my local physio but obviously we're in very peculiar times as everybody says as you have to qualify everything you say really peculiar times they're obviously essential physiotherapists uh, so i'll i've done that and you know i will do the the mot or the as you say the test today and see how i get on but it is a good time of year to talk about this dip in motivation obviously your situation is very specifics on you but like winter and i guess november december are the times when people quit so i did a bit of a dig right i did a bit of a dig to see what are the top seven or eight reasons why people quit and then maybe you can give us an answer as to how we might prevent those from occurring because let's let's be clear quitting happens to a lot of people like there there you are this week with all the medals in your back pocket and you know you have that moment where you don't feel like well let's let's dig into it so from my uh, half-assed internet research number one was lack of identity that's the category that i put it under the idea that people will quit running because they can't see themselves as runners or they decide in their heart Oh, what was I thinking? I'm this person. That's not who I am. Now, that's a quite a broad opener for us to start with. But I think, Sonia, you correct me if I'm wrong, that this is why people buy the gear is to nearly wear the outfit or the costume to to look the part, convince themselves that I am this now. Right. Yeah, that would be part of it. I mean, I think the identity, I, I would probably interpret that as the the purpose to what you're doing. Hmm. And so if you're going to do something, then you want to dress the part and look the part to hopefully be the part. Yeah. And then possibly how the lack of motivation would come in there would be because if you put in, you know, a good bit of training and, you know, you've been running day in, day out doing sessions but you're not sure you're so you've improved a lot, but then all of a sudden you plateau out a bit hmm. and the improvement isn't the same and you're yeah. not getting the same buzz because you just don't have the same feedback. And that, I mean, now that could be happening all over the place because there's not so many 
events and races for people to look forward to and engage in where generally you will always run that bit better because you're in a competitive environment you kind of forget you know that you feel tired or you know it's hard work because it becomes fun all of a sudden and that's why we do a lot of this training Mm. for whatever it is we're doing is because we want to see if we can improve a bit Mm. and or we want to just be ready to join an event and to enjoy the event and so i think a lot of people would be missing out on this recently yeah um so then you need to get your feedback somewhere else and i would find a really beneficial thing is if you do have a coach or a club or somebody to talk to who understands running and you say to them oh i've been feeling you know not great you know i i I shouldn't be feeling like this you know you kind of you know you you don't get it yourself it's hard to justify things yourself why you might feel a certain way when you kind of think well there's no reason why i should feel like this but it might take somebody else to put it in perspective and kind of say well yeah you know you've traveled all around the world and you've been in a strange environment and all of a sudden you're back where you want to be but you thought you've adjusted and you're ready to hit the ground running but maybe you're not and you've got to ease back in again so it's another bit of a process to kind of get yourself back in a good routine again and probably every time we change or do something different maybe when the seasons change and the weather changes it takes a little bit of adaptation to kind of renew the enthusiasm for the different i suppose challenges that you face um and fit that into your routine as well because you know it, it, it does change all the time and so then if things around us are changing then you know it's only normal that we would change as well and how we re- react to it and it's particularly when you're trying to do some physical exertion and you know push yourself <laughs> mm. yeah i mean you bring up one one thing there that i think the community of this show has probably got me over that hump that thing of you say people uh, who know and being in contact. One of the ones that came up again and again was peer pressure that, you know, you might have peers who are like, what are you doing going running? Sure, we're all going for pints or uh, who are you trying to cod? You know, that kind of peer pressure of even your neighbourhood. The positive peer pressure that Irishman Running Abroad has given me is obviously you <laughs> having to report to you every week and the group, the Strava Running Club that we have, have said it countless times about how supportive it is. But I am a person that needs feedback, uh, <laughs> positive feedback a lot. That's partially the reason I became a comedian, because I, I really do need encouragement. So while peer pressure can get labelled as a reason for people quitting, I think you're right. I think peer pressure could be equally <laughs> part of the reason that you keep going. That without that that community and without that group, I very much doubt that I'd be doing it with the same gusto anyway that I'm doing it at the moment. Yeah, so I, th- yeah, I think, you know, when you have doubts about something, you have to s- turn it around and, you know, you nearly have to accept, OK, yeah, well, it's OK to, you know, not be bouncing around and racing out the door every day. 
sometimes maybe you need to take a day off and mm. you might feel guilty about taking the day off but then hopefully the next day you'll feel a lot better and if you have spoken to people and they've kind of given you a bit of encouragement or you've seen some people out running around the streets and you notice that all of a sudden there's people running around here who I'd never imagined would be running around and this is happening all over the world like lots of different places I've been this year and I've often run different routes and hardly seen a person out and all of a sudden it's like a road race every time you go out <laughs> there's people you know all over the place and all these little groups around the place Brilliant. where did this all come from but it's just you know a growing sport and you know not just the high competitive end of it but just the fun and social aspect of people getting out there and realizing that it's the simplest and easiest thing to do is to put your shoes on and just run out your door and, you know, see what's close by. Well, uh, that brings me then neatly to reason number three that I find coming up in my half-assed internet research as the third most common reason for people quitting is not doing what you're saying there, not viewing it as the most fun, accessible activity available to us in the peculiar situation that we find ourselves, that running to lose weight is the third most common reason that people quit. We touched on it the other week in the uh, nutrition episode. If you missed that, do go back. We got rave reviews for that one, Sonia. I mean, think people were crying out for a bit of guidance on that. But running as a weight loss tool is uniquely disheartening, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, for reasons you covered last week, which is that you, you, your hunger probably spikes. You partially think to yourself, I'm entitled to this. I went for a run today. But it, uh, the disheartening effect of it causes people to quit. What, what do you say to that one? Uh, do people, should people just not run to lose weight? No, I mean, I suppose everybody has to have their motivation and that's that is one motivation that people have. And it's probably a motivation that gets people started with running, I think. And then you hope that, you know, they keep it going for long enough that the motivation becomes more than just for losing weight. Um, because there is a point in running where you don't lose weight, but you kind of shift weight around and you carry it differently. Mm-hmm. So. You feel lighter in yourself, even though if you step on the scales, it may not make any difference. And But your clothes might fit differently. So that's a positive as well. So I think it's a bit like the speed that you run at. That's not always the best marker to be looking at. Mm. Like you also have to look at the effort. And similar with running for weight loss, I think you have to run for how it makes you feel. And that can have a positive effect on the food that you eat, which in turn will have an effect on on the weight loss. And I think you have to go into weight loss, running for weight loss as a a long-term project rather than a short-term. And even though you may lose weight quickly initially, then like, I suppose, the improvement as well, it will slow down. And so that's when people might doubt themselves and lose a bit of motivation because things aren't happening as fast as they were in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and that's when your body's just getting used to the running. And I think when it comes to something like that and, and the same, you know, anytime that anyone is lacking motivation, I think the simplest thing you can do is to slow down and not put any pressure or expectation on yourself. Just go out there because you know that, you know, 
somewhere, some at some time when you're out there, you're going to find. Yeah, I'm glad I came out here. Mm, yeah, and you're you'll never regret a run. And more satisfied. Exactly. You know, it's like there's. I've yet to find anyone who will, you know, have regretted going out for a run. Hmm. You know, you always find something positive out of it and it always adds to your day. Well, um, number four was out of control schedule or scheduling. And I guess this encompasses the thing that you mentioned there about goals. Uh, You've given me that schedule uh, through the plan that we're going to discuss in in a minute. I guess I still had to make time for it within my schedule of recording podcasts, taking care of Mikey and all my other family obligations. And, you know, I would say that that has been one of the bigger struggles. It's never been a reason for me to quit, but it's certainly been uh, and I'm sure for a lot of listeners, particularly the beginners, that that is the challenge is like it feels like it's just a 30 minute thing, but it it. it it's just beyond your reach in so many ways. What advice would you have to for people who are struggling to control that schedule? And, you know, I know what my answers are, but again, mine are different. What would yours be as, as my coach? Well, I think, you know, the, the best thing is to do is to have the plan, you know, at least a week in advance. And then you can, so on a Sunday night, and then you can map out your week and you can see which days are busy and which days are less busy. And I think you just have to learn to be a bit more efficient with your time. So you find the time and it's like as if you set this time aside. So you might get up a half an hour earlier or you might just have a glass of water before you go out for your run. So you're not, you know spending too long in the kitchen having coffee and snacks and then you got to wait another half an hour before you run you know so things like that you can actually be more efficient because you know you have to be to squeeze it in and that's sometimes where you can get worn out at times is if you do this all the time and it's like you're always putting yourself under pressure to get out the door to get back to get ready to do something else and if you do that over time then you get a little bit worn out and you think, oh, I need a break from this. <laughs> and and then you just have to take a time out and a break and, and then you reset and you start again because you know that you enjoy it. It's just, you just need, sometimes you just need to, you know, step back a little bit and say, okay, mm. I need just to take it easy this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I might run later, I might not, but we'll start again tomorrow. Well, so I think, the, like you said, getting the plan early is, is so important. And I just even found the visual like I'm a very visual guy. Uh, I, I know some people prefer to have it a, another way or have it in a voice note or even they don't even need the note. Uh, I need it on the wall or I need to see it to be able to put a line through it. Are you uh, were you I know that you are a great notebook keeper all through your career. Uh, what is there about the visual side of things? Is that a universal or is that just myself? Um, I would be very like that as well. I think I think it's a bit of a checklist thing. And I think you see it there and you see I've got to do this. And, you know, this is what I've got to do tomorrow. And it's nearly one of the most important things you're going to do tomorrow. Even if you, you've got to go to work, you've got to, you know, whatever other jobs that you've got to do around the place. Somehow this gets ingrained in you that this is one of the most important things I've got to do tomorrow. So you just find the time for it. And I think... 
I'd be very decisive when I have, you know, a task like that set out for me is that, yeah, I'm going to do this run tomorrow at nine o'clock and I'm going to go to the park over here. And it's like you visualize exactly where you're going to go, how you're going to do it and when you're going to get back and be ready then to get on with the rest of your day. So I think having a visual helps you to be more decisive with your actions. And then you don't really think about the whole physical activity of it. It's just something that you've got to do Mm. and you just do it and you fit it in. So I think, yeah, for me, I think it's a really good idea to, to know what's coming up. And I know like I'm a bit up in the air at the moment myself this week because I'm about to kind of reset, I suppose, another kind of plan for myself to maybe run a 10K in four weeks' time. And so I don't have a visualization of what I'm going to do the next four weeks yet Mm. to make that happen. But once I do see that, then I think I'll be rejuvenated and energized because I've made a decision to do something. And now I've got to prepare myself to be ready to do it. Otherwise, I'm not going to want to do it. So I won't be able to do it as well as I, I would like to. It's so funny to hear you saying all this and kind of connect the dots in. Because I think that a lot of us are doing this unknowingly that, you know, part of the reason the Irishman running abroad challenge was set up, obviously, was to give people a monthly thing to look forward to, to build around. And as you say, to visualize the challenge ahead. For me, the challenge is 2000 kilometers in one year and potentially the Dublin City Marathon. I would love if you joined me on that challenge. You go to idonate.ie and you search Irishman running abroad and you'll find the page. We've had so many great donations so far. Uh, We even had a person join the squad. Come on and join the squad. I mean, this is a monthly challenge and you can really do something extraordinary for Jigsaw.ie, the National Centre for Youth Mental Health, who've done incredible work across lockdown and beyond to help young people in all communities across Ireland, whether it's through their online information, their online workshops or just their phone line. They're an extraordinary charity. I'm delighted to be connected up with and running for throughout the year. The final one of these, Marion, before we go to the deep dive into the plan itself, was that I guess the best category and the best place I saw this categorized was that love takes time and that 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 can be a reason for people quitting is it can be a reason for people giving up on relationships that they don't feel the spark right away that they don't think I love this like I talked about runners high early on I wasn't getting my runners high and maybe this isn't for me but in fact, what I've found is that the the love and the real sense of loss I felt on Thursday after that incident, it took a while to get there and that you will have to break through a period of discomfort where you're like running <laughs> isn't for me. But once once you fall in love with it, you fall hard, right? Yeah, it, I mean, it definitely does take time to feel good, especially if you're just starting at the very beginning. And I'm sure at the start, it can be a bit of a struggle. You know, you, you the first couple of days might be OK, but then everything kind of catches up to you and you might have a few extra aches and pains. Um, but running is one of those activities that 
the wear and tear on the body is much greater than other things like cycling or swimming because it's a weight bearing. So you're carrying your own weight. Mm. So, you know, I suppose by doing more, you become more efficient and better at carrying your own weight and maybe you lose some of that weight and you become lighter, mm. um, you know, even without planning it sometimes. So, yeah, I think... Um, it does take time to fall in love with it. But then when you do, <laughs> then you wonder, you know, how did you not know about this before? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden it becomes such a big part of your life that you're thinking, what did I do with this time before? Like, <laughs> exactly, was I yeah. sitting around, <laughs> where was I going with that? Because, I mean, no matter if you're doing a half an hour or 40 minutes, it's, it's normally it's it's a good hour out of your day to get mm. a decent run in. You know, by the time you get yourself ready to go out and come back in and everything else. But, you know, one hour out of 24 is, in a way, it's not that huge of a big deal. Mm. And you can probably, you know, take little slices off different things you do throughout the day to find that hour if you're having difficulty finding the hour. And that's just to allow yourself to enjoy it and not to be rushing, you know, and squeezing it in and, you know, coming straight back in and sitting at your desk and, that's something you probably need to be a little bit aware of this week with your your acute injury there that you're managing is that you don't sit down too much because mm. that can have an effect, particularly in your back and where you've injured yourself, um, that you don't get all locked up and you think you're fine. And then after going for a run, come back, sit down and then you stand up and you're like, oh, I'm really sore. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a hard thing yeah, to do with the way things are. Bit, you know, those extra minutes either side of your run so that you can actually, you know, ease into the run and ease back out of the run again. And and that becomes all part of the enjoyment of the run then rather than it becoming a rush out because I've got to get this done. Mm. Um, and it needs to be more than a chore. And I think when your run is no longer a chore, that's when you really start to realize, yeah, no, I really enjoy this and it's a, it's a special part of the day. Well, that's it. I mean, it is a special, special part of the day now. And honestly, uh, I think it's what you get back that from that hour that really makes the <laughs> the difference, that sense that I'm not giving up this hour to this thing. I'm actually getting something back and feeling so much better as a result. And you've given that to me, Sonia, honest to God. The training program that Sonia started me out on on the 24th of August, my 40th birthday was when this really began, has changed my life and got me from, uh, let's face it, on the first week there, I'm just looking back on Strava, really struggling to get through three and a half kilometres, like a real struggle. I remember coming in and being like, what have I signed up for? <laughs> and uh, here, here we are now. I'm um, just what, looking through the the increase in mileage as the weeks go on. That it went from you know 2.6 kilometers that first week, 14 the second, and then within a month it's up to 27 a week. And I think then you know we're gradually, gradually once I've hit that point, been going up in speed and distance. And what people want to know is. What is the plan? Like, what was the plan that you devised long term and how did you approach that short term for them so that they can apply this method to see their own improvements um, in the same kind of way? Well, 
I suppose the the logic with any training plan is you keep it as simple as you can. And I always go back to my coach, um, Alan's story. And when he first started to coach me or at the time he was helping me out with a training plan is <laughs> you know when you're when you're moving from one coach to another you you're not labeled coach for a while <laughs> but he was helping me out and I was turning up at these sessions on a Tuesday night and then he was giving me a bit of advice for the rest of the week and I was improving and enjoying it and it was a new lease of life for me and but then I was going away I was going to America and so I invited him around for dinner with the whole purpose being that he was going to write me out a training plan for while I was away. Mm. And, you know, you go through the whole niceties of having dinner and having a chat and, you know, and and you're kind of like, okay, (laughs) right, what shall I do for training? (laughs) Let's get to the crux of this meeting here. Mm. So he put out a, a piece of paper and a pen and he said, okay, well, you need to do... X number of runs per week. So I think we decided with you that it was, were we doing four or five four. runs? Four. We were definitely having, yeah. 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 And one run is, um, one run is a long run. Mm-hmm. And then two sessions in there. So one is a longer session, which is more thresholdy kind of pace. So that's trying to increase the efficiency in your running and your ability to run longer and faster eventually. Mm-hmm. And then a bit of a speed session, which really just helps to improve your leg turnover. And then depending on how much time you have in the week, you throw in one or two easy runs to recover from those fast sessions. And that can vary from week to week. And that's really the basis of a training week. And, you know, depending on what level of athlete you are, that could be over seven days. So then you'd have three sessions in there and then you'd have three recovery days and one long run. Um, And so you start off with that and then you gradually increase the distance and you increase the pace and and vary the sessions. Mm. And so just kind of it's you're kind of gradually increasing it throughout the weeks so that as you're getting used to more running, you don't really notice the gradual incremental increases in distance and pace and then you can look back and you can think, wow, look what I'm doing now compared to when I started. I could have hardly run 5K. Well, that's but definitely I true. I mean, that, that is definitely true, Sonia, that I haven't really noticed because you've done it so gradually. Uh, I haven't really noticed big changes in the distance and the you know the effort, even though I always felt that my we all know what our max effort is. A lot of people were interested in how you got my pace to increase so fast. And I think I know the answer to that. And that is those speed sessions, those uh, interval sessions that you did, uh, whether it was hills or those threshold sessions was weird. Come Sunday uh, on the longer run, I just felt the legs were juiced up. That That's obviously something that you swear by throughout your career right these these sessions to make the sunday session easier um yeah definitely i mean the when you go a bit faster then the the slower paced longer runs will eventually feel easy and you'll be able to go out and in your mind okay i'm going at a nice easy pace and before you know it your easy pace can be what your fast pace was when you when you started mm. And that's why at the moment you're improving your 10K all the time is because you're able to go further at a 
more efficient pace, which is what you thought was your fastest pace in the beginning. Mm. So you've got, you know, because you've improved so much and at a gradual rate, then you've got so much room for improvement. But it just depends on, you know, how much time you have and, you know, what goals and targets that you want to set. And then, you know, that's how you get to the end of a training block and then you reset and you start again and you focus on a new target. And so then you build the training program a little bit different. It's the same. It's always the same framework, but you just mix things up a little bit. And that can change as well, depending on the seasons. Like in the wintertime, you don't want to be doing things too fast. Um, you're better off building up your strength and getting some speed through endurance rather than trying to, you know, run too fast in the cold and risk on getting injured. Roads, yeah, uh, well, you make it sound so easy. People will be throwing their hats on the ground, but it is it is that it is that thing of keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> it is the that that seems to be. I don't know how stupid you think I am, but definitely you took the guesswork out of this. And I do attribute that to being a big part of the progress. Now, today will be the test to see if uh, I, I do need actual time off or physio on this thing. But we'll see. I do need to bring this up, though, Sonia. The 10K in 40 minutes <laughs> for a normal person <laughs> is what you said last week. Well, Melissa Mannion got in touch on Twitter and in the Strava group to say, thank you, Jarlath, for standing up for listeners going bug-eyed <laughs> at Sonia's idea of 40 minutes for 10K being accessible for normal runners. Crying, laughing face. Not a hope, says Melissa. Now, we, we put this up in the group, Sonia. I don't know if you saw it but there I was did a, see some yeah there, there was a lot of chat a lot of chat and a lot of back and forth on it and you know I did go what the what are you talking about normal people who's this normal person you're talking about is this Paul Mescal <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how how I would even get to I'd 10 say, 10k in 40 minutes <laughs> but, I'd say Paul Mescal now he could probably run under 40 minutes <laughs> he definitely could he's a beast <laughs> But, we set the challenge out for him. <laughs> yeah, get, get in touch with him. But he, uh, you know, the more it got thrashed out, the more I think people came to the realisation that, yeah, if you if you wanted it enough, you could probably get there. But some felt that that, that f f 10k in 40 minutes was the dividing line between people who are doing this for the for the enjoyment and crack and that kind of being a threshold into now I'm taking it seriously. Do you want to roll back what you said or are you still standing by 10k in 40 um, minutes for a normal person? Well, I suppose if you're a normal club runner, maybe, and you're out there running regularly for your club. Now, I, I actually read something today, which I was thought you might be interested in because I knew you'd ask me about this. But <laughs> there was a Japanese athlete over the weekend and uh, I can't see his name at the moment because I'm in the dark here. The yeah. light... The, the sun has dropped out of the sky. But he did a race walk on the weekend and he broke the world record and he walked 10K in 37 minutes and 25 seconds. What? Oh, my God. And this happened this weekend. <laughs> that was just this weekend. Yeah. And the second place was only a second behind him. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Iki Takahashi smashes world it, best yeah. for... 10,000 metre race walk. 
that's extraordinary. I mean, that that would really that would really upset you. This took place. Would, in, and I'm sure there's I'm sure Rob Heffernan, I think he can walk about 40 minutes for 10K as well. <laughs> yeah. So you're just piling imagine, misery like, on top of yourself, aren't you? I have seen it. If you, imagine like if you're out for your run and some fella comes walking past you hmm. at high speed. With the hips going. <laughs> yeah. And the you're arms. getting a bit worried then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that that's extraordinary. And is this guy a well-known uh, athlete or he must be? Well, um, I mean, he'd be a national athlete in Japan. I mean, I wasn't so aware that Japanese athletes were very good at the walk or that they took part in it very much. They're well known for their marathon running and long distance running. But yeah, you could see if you're, I suppose, if you have a country of distance runners, then, you know, walking is an endurance sport as well. So there's no reason why they wouldn't be good. And all the good walking shoes come from Japan as well. So yeah. I'll have a look now and they probably have, they'll probably have a deep history of walking. Mm. Well, it says here earlier in 2014 and 2015, Takahashi had set Asian records in 10,000 metre races, but both were relatively short lived. I mean, here's the thing, and it does lead me on to what I hoped we might discuss next week as a kind of a broader sports topic, Sonia. It's hard to look at records in athletics without one eyebrow being raised. How how has or would you be up for doing an episode where we discuss a little bit about the impact of performance enhancing drug scandals and, uh, you know, how they how they made you feel throughout the years. Yeah, well, it's definitely, you know, I suppose in a lot of cases, it's the elephant in the room for, you know, a lot of the records that would still be sitting in the record books. And, you know, there's no question mark over them, you know, mm. I suppose at that level but you know amongst the people in the know they would definitely you know ignore it or bypass they know that that's not right mm. but you know over things have changed a lot of things have changed over time down through the years and there's been i suppose people have been cheating from the very beginning you know of sport and there's been lots of different methods and reasons but since the results have been kept and the records have been recorded then i suppose there would definitely be some records in the books that people would question but then sometimes these records get broken and particularly now in recent years with the innovation the technology of the shoes is allowing people to run a lot faster so they're now calling that doping technology mm. you know because it's improving not by the ability of the athlete but by the ability of the, the technology of the shoes that are available to them and like you'd notice if you look at the tour de france the times that they cycle over different courses they're not as important as the winning of the course now they do obviously have records and people look it up but it wouldn't be at the top of people's heads that world records and fastest times up certain climbs or True. certain routes as much as it would be in a track race people would generally have a good idea what a world record is or a national record and you know what they'd be able to relate to that in some way hmm. um but it's very different in cycling say where the you know the bikes have improved so much so that's where now the shoes have improved so much well let's is are the times are the times as important or as relevant 
as they used to be. Yeah. And I think in some way, some ways they are, some ways they're not. People just kind of can just look at the race and look at the performance and, you know, not really register with the time as much as, you know, people used to when someone broke a world record. Mm. Well, I think that would be a, what might be a better conversation for next week is how we as, uh, I guess, recreational runners can performance enhance and without obviously resorting to ordering things on eBay. I think that that is something that we could get going as a discussion in the Strava group, things that people have changed, small changes they've made that have made a big difference because, you know, to a large extent, the biggest performance enhancer uh, for all of us is rest. (laughs) And the more you rest, the better you are going to perform when the time comes. Now, there's obviously a limit <laughs> to that, but we can get into that next week. It's been a it's been a really fascinating discussion this week, Sonia. Thank you so much for taking the time to do it. I know it's dark and late there now, but I really do appreciate it. And as do all of the listeners, get in touch with the show Podcast at gmail.com or via patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. Our chosen charity partner, as I said, is jigsaw.ie. Come and join the running challenge over at idonate.ie Tina and Mikey make this show possible as does Brian Connolly our producer thanks again Sonia we'll see you next week you're very welcome good luck with your run today I look forward to hear about it later cheers regrets collect like old friends here to relive your darkest moments I can see no eye I can see no eye and all of the good Come out to play And every demon wants his pound of flesh But I like to keep some things to myself I like to keep my issues strong It's always dark in